Different, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Jenny Hubby, only on LA Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Concierge Coaches Show here on LA Talk Radio. I'm Bruce Cameron. So what we have today uh, is we're going to approach things from a little bit different angle. I know that oftentimes we've had coaches come on the show and showcase their practice, but what I want to do today is take a little bit of a departure from that, talk a little bit about some of the things that, that, that I've been doing as a coach and a consultant and how how that has kind of dovetailed in something I think very important as it pertains to the safety of others. So real quick, um, for those of you that, that remember, I do a lot of executive coaching and institutional coaching. And my background from the Justice Department, you know, led me to have some skills about safety and security and perimeter and choke points and flow of people and stuff like that. So here a couple of weeks back, um, I went to my second Association of Threat Assessment Professionals meeting, and I went to the one in Anaheim, California, and was really blessed and honored to, one, be a member of that organization, and then number two, uh, be able to interact with people and get firsthand accounts from from the first responders and, and commanders from the scenes of the Aurora, Colorado the theater shooting, from the uh, Parkland shooting, from uh, uh, the, the, there was a Dallas shooting here a while back, um, etc. So what, what we do in these meetings is really kind of deconstruct what happened, how it happened, lessons learned, what we can do different, etc., etc. And so... Um, so uh, during this last meeting, um, I teamed up with actually a, literally a neighbor of mine. He sat next to me, kind of serendipitous, to be honest with you. This thousands of miles away from home, and a guy who lives less than a mile from me sits, plops down next to me at the conference. And I've never met him before in my life, but uh, he's a former uh, federal guy and law enforcement guy who's now the chief of security of a school system. And um, he and I were talking and kind of kicking things around and, and, um, and through that discussion, um, I had uh, had several epiphanies through that that discussion. One obvious epiphany is that in the school shooter paradigm, you know, the school shooter usually comes in late, right? They come in after school's in session. They they come onto the grounds and will somehow uh, penetrate a barrier and go into the hallway and and uh, and shoot. Um, that was epiphany number one. Then epiphany number two, I was thinking that. Sadly, sooner or later, somebody might do something like this from the inside of a of a, of a school bus, and uh, and how how do we prevent that? You know, what what do we do for, for for that as a coach or as a consultant? What 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 do you know? How, what 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 advice do I give? What kind of information do I give to um, school administrators and safety planners uh, with with a potential threat like that? It's very interesting and, and scary you know, proposition, but, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's sadly, you know, I, you know, hope it doesn't happen, but we have to be ready for, for all types of 
combinations and permutations of things to happen and and jump off when we're talking about not just school security but organizational security personal security for an individual and and the list goes on so um anyway so in the backdrop of all that uh, i had uh, had the honor of serendipitously meeting our guest for today through uh, um, a friend of my family's and um a gentleman that um, uh, we're going to learn more about him and his background and and how that uh, he not only provides um, solutions to companies and governments and and institutions, uh, but also how he he takes his unique skill set and how he coaches and threads in. Uh, the, the the services and, and products that he delivers, but he threads that into policy and procedure, which is a form of coaching in in, in a way. Um, sure, it may be a little bit more directive, but it is really interacting with your client, helping your client with their goal, particularly goal of protection, goal of safety, uh, a goal of no more victims, uh, de- depending on, on 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 who the client is. So. Without further ado, I'd like to bring on our guest for today, Mr. Bob Johnston. How's it going? Good, Bruce. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. Hey, thanks for coming on to the show. And and uh, I know it is kind of a little bit of a risk coming on to a coaching show, but the good news is, is that you know me and know where I'm coming from with this. And so we're gonna we're gonna have this work, and I'm sure our listeners are gonna want to tune into this podcast even in the future to. To, to hear this episode. So no, I think it's uh, a really, I think yeah, it's a really good fit just from the aspect of the way that I prefer to do my sales. And I was honored for you to ask me to do that. Um, I'm just not the standard ordinary guy when it comes to the field of, of sales process. I, I mean, I think there's a way to do it and a right way to do it, the consultive way and a coaching way to make that happen. So uh, I'm interested to see where this goes and where we can lead from. For sure. Well, real quick, kind of give our listeners a little bit about your background. You have a, and that could that could burn up the whole show, I know. But if you could give the old thumb a good solid thumbnail of of your background and maybe what got you interested in in, in this industry. Well, I would, uh, you know, standard military guy, grew up in the military and had always worked in kind of this field from one way or another, either through the aviation end of what we're doing or what we're or what's happening and. Um, I started off doing a little flying in the backseat of planes as a radar intercept officer years ago. And um, we we did a lot of intel-type projects from that, from taking pictures to being guided over specific places at specific times. And I've always liked the intel into things. And um, about six and a half or seven years ago, I had the opportunity to join a company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, that provides uh, covert surveillance equipment to foreign governments and our government and special operations forces. And from that aspect of it, we decided that, hey, let's open this up to a little bit of commercial as well. So we've expanded our arms in not only into the military world, but into the commercial world. The military world kind of has its own lingo. You know, they talk about intel. They talk about surveillance. They talk about reconnaissance. You know, they talk about setup. They talk about perimeters. When you look at the correlation between the two of those things, in the commercial world, I mean, we do the same thing, you know, as far as the coaching aspect of it goes. 
you know, our intel becomes, in the commercial world, becomes your research. So everybody knows that in order to make a project work, you have to have the proper intel from my side of the world. That tells us that we have the who, what, where, when, and the why to make all this happen. In your side of the world, it's research, and a research tells you the same thing. You know, why are we doing it? How come? What for? And what's the end scenario going to be? And to make that work, I mean, the only other way you can make it happen is to ask questions. I mean, you have to ask where you're going. You have to ask what you're doing. Once you found the research, and I found out that in my, in my end is that I like to know the answers to the questions before I ask the questions, Bruce. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's how you do it or not, but it makes it easier for me to determine a process later on, you know, which is the next step of the road. I have to listen to what they're saying. I ask the questions. I have to listen to what they're saying. And when, I, when I'm listening to what they are saying to me in response to my questions, I have to start formulating kind of a, uh, I don't know, I call it an application technique of what I'm going to have to do. And in the commercial world, I guess that would be teach the people where they're going. We have to teach where we're going and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. So, um, you know, you apply the thought process. And then at, at the end of the day, once you apply it and you find out where you're going and what you want to do, Obviously, you want to make sure that the money's there. Well, in, in the commercial world, it would be qualifying somebody for the sale. In the government world, it's a little bit different because you have the appropriations committees, you've got the bills, you have all the different steps that you have to go through before it ever makes it to the process that you can even talk about where you're going with the stuff. And then obviously, then you want to collect a check, pick up the money and go home and make everybody happy. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's a real good, a real good outlook that you have. And you know, let's let's kind of talk about an example, for instance, with with school safety. So um, I know there's some school safety programs. Some of those have behavioral indicators. Some of them don't, right? And 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 so guys like me with a mental health background will go in there and help the school identify suspects. I you know, have a watch list who may be at risk. I mean, there's certain static and dynamic risk factors, right? And this also, I don't, you know, it could be based, it's based on research, but because we're dealing with students, it, it can be a little subjective too. And Bruce, so, yes, sir. Bruce, let me walk you through kind of a case that kind of, kind of, kind of got started and how it happened sure. here with the sure. school scenario. So you'll, we'll start off from the bottom and work it up. When I, when I was, basically learning my trade now that I'm doing, there were a couple of different areas, police departments, law enforcement agencies that opened their arms to me to come in and do my thing along with their training classes, uh, federal law enforcement training centers, uh, uh, Kansas law enforcement training center, Oklahoma law enforcement training center, all opened their arms and said, Bob, come on in. So I developed some relationships. I received a call from a local police department one day and it said, Bob, I'm really concerned about our children in our school as we all are and he said do you have anything that could help us in securing the perimeters of that school while the children are in school and I told him I said you know we do let's think about this for a minute and see how we're going to go well um we you know we had the who and we had the what 
we needed the where. So I said, you know, where are we going to make this happen? And he said, well, let's try to do this over the summer when the kids are out of school. We'll set up a test school for you, and we'll make the uh, scenario happen. So uh, we set up a test. Uh, when the test was completed, everything was good. And basically how this happens is, is that in my world, you have what they call a magnetometer, uh, which registers which registers metal. It's a covert piece of equipment that can be buried, put in the side of a field that can be buried. And any time that the magnetic field moves around this magnetometer, it will send a signal to a specific piece of equipment that can alarm somebody, and then that can alarm somebody else, and then that can go directly to a police station. So at that point, we had the exterior sidewalk of that school totally covered. Well, not only is the school sidewalk covered at that point, but we duplicate that same effort around every entrance at the school, then our system can be put back to a primary control unit to where all the law enforcement officers in the city, the state, whatever, can come and correlate on that school if one of these alarms goes off. It gives us another value another circumstance that we can look at to address the threat before it actually becomes a threat. If that individual can't get in the building, and we know that that individual that's coming up to the building has metal on him, whether it be for bad purposes or not, um, we can walk into him with a different philosophy than what we did before. So through the training and through the different processes, I guess is the long and the short of the story, is that we found out something that would work. So then in conversations with Bruce later, he is determined that he has several people that we want to go into and help the situation with where we are. The same point, it came about, well, how do these kids get to school? And uh, Bruce had shared with me in one of our sessions that we'd had the buses were an important part of his process. So, so what do we do? We start the whole process over again with the learning, the who, the what, the where, and the process of building this up to where we are today that we're probably going to get some opportunities to have some more trials in some specific areas of the country. So hopefully our efforts will, um, produce some fruit and we can uh, we can go on down the road and feel a little bit more secure for our children going into school on a daily basis right and and, and from a violence perspective I mean one of the big buzzwords Bob is prevention 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 what did you do for prevention and you know back in the day when you had bullying man bullying bullying's still there it's a fairly hot topic but I mean several years back man it was People were doing bully awareness and all the counselors were getting bully training. And, man, we were identifying bullies and helping victims. And we have special investigation work groups if a kid alleges that he or she's being bullied. And, and, and anyway, long story short, right, prevention, prevention, prevention. So there's that type of prevention. There's education prevention. And then there's developing, you know, lists of kids who, who may be at risk for something like this. And, and, and here we go with what you have to offer, which is, uh, I think, a very scientific, <laughs> right, very scientific hardware uh, line that is what? It's, 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 it's a form of prevention uh, in, in a way. Uh, 
I'm hopefully you see it that way too, right? I mean, no, it is. It is. It's, it's, it totally is. You know, it's, right? It's preventing that individual from from crossing a perimeter where where there may be victims or potential victims on the other side of a of a per- perimeter, and so that's what excites me um, so much because I think you know I think the combined efforts of you know, education and psychology and profiling and, and all those things along with, alongside uh, short, medium, or even a longer range surveillance, you know, area uh, around around entrances. Um, man, I, I just, you know, that, that just really excites me. And, um, and uh, so I think that's, you know what, what? What is you know you you have just on that one on that one product is possibly going to help save a lot of lives here down the road. And you know how this kind of comes about. It, it doesn't come about from just come about from one day. The techniques that we're using are the techniques that we use daily with military operations to protect our military operational units. The special forces, for instance, have a tremendous a tremendous uh, knowledge of what's going on in the area before they ever go in. But something that they don't have is what's going to happen once they get in that area. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen around them? So we have used our techniques and our procedures with the special forces group of people for many, 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 many years. And we said, well, why don't we take that expertise that's been so prioritized and so channelized, I guess, into a field of operations that needs it, but now we've got another situation, another group of people who need it. So how do you make that work, and how do you how do you teach the, the school systems, the government, the people that they need the system? And like Bruce said earlier, to go back to kind of where he's talking about, the, the primary catcher has been prevention. I mean, all the school systems, all the different people we talk to in the commercial side of the world, let's prevent something from happening instead of reacting after it does happen. So that's how we've taken that technique and got it to where we are and where we're going today. Because it isn't something new that the people don't understand on our side, being the commercialized side now of the world that Bruce and I have been talking about today, we have to go through the entire process of, of teaching, of educating, of getting the procedural manuals done correctly, of taking the people that are actually involved with the process and making them aware of how it works, what it does, how important it is that they know the entire process to make this work. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's totally, totally interesting. Bruce, I've kind of got a little, a little backfire deal here going that I want to tell you about that, that we, uh, how we got involved with this business years ago. I think you'll find it kind of interesting and, and fun. We were a company that made Slurpee machines, and those were like ICs that you would find in the different convenience stores and gas station stops. Well, it was back 35 years ago, and we had a guy coming in that, that wanted to uh, sell us computers. He said he was from IBM and that he, that he wanted to make sure we were computerized to move on to the, to the next step in the world. Well, after about three or four meetings with us, he came in and he said, you know, I'd like to tell you who I really am. He said, I'm a guy from a lab, Sandia National Labs, which is a big national lab, and we've engineered some products that we would like you guys to manufacture. 
And that's what we are now as the manufacturer of those products. It's called, they're called unattended ground sensors. That's what they are. But we asked him, we said, well, what, what is in it for us? And he told us, and we said, you know what? Get those slurpy machines out the back door. We're done with that business. And we made a lock, stock, and barrel change in our procedures and format. So we, we had to learn. The whole thing is, is, is that my connection to this is we had to learn what we were doing, where we were going, how we did it, why we did it, what for. And it was all just parlayed into to where we are today with many contacts many networks and i think that's important if you if you teach somebody rather than sell them you've developed a friend you've developed a network if you sell somebody you've got a one-time operation that you may or may not continue to have relations with and and that's that's where we have become very very good at that our company has is providing and making those networks through the consultative selling process of weaving what the people need and want into what we have. Exactly, exactly. And in I like your point about, hey, you know, these, I won't say that the technology's been there, but even, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, all these UFO sightings and Turns out that UFO was an SR seventy one, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? It's, and uh, they were running test flights out of uh, probably out of Fort Bragg, and you know what I mean. And so now all this military technology comes out. All this, you know, some of the military technology comes down in, into the into the commercial sphere, you know. And uh, and so while this sounds kind of you know spooky and space age and and kind of um, kind of uh you know mission impossible type of stuff well what we're doing is we're we're applying these techniques to to more public formats public institutions for safety or public companies for their safety or public individuals um with uh you know because i think you've you've talked about uh protecting individuals or heads of state or whatever you know um with similar uh, types of, uh, of of devices so um i'm just ex- excited that that uh you know y- you guys are, are are bringing this in to the to the public se- sector at a at a man what a you know great time because uh, the awareness is there and there's going to be a lot of government funding for for safety and school safety and this is something that i think um is because it's a scientific device if you will i mean you can there's metrics and data and how many times it went off and how many times were true positives versus false positives or maybe somebody just had a a a crud ton of metal on them for another reason Uh, they were installing some shelving or something and they got they got identified and they're they're actually or they had a hammer on them or something right or a, a big old set of channel locks and uh but um so anyway, I, I I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, you you guys crossing over into the, you know, into the into the public sector and and bringing this technology forward with not only schools but other other agencies and and businesses that uh, can benefit. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a complete learning process, Bruce. I think for all because. You know, when this when the school shootings obviously started happening, everybody was grabbing for straws. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I make it happen? How do I make these kids safer? As they continue to go, you could, you you draw and you make a 
a bank of information, basically, is what you do. Well, what's happened here, and why has this happened, or what's this happened? Has it happened during the kids coming into school? No, it normally doesn't. It happens after the doors have been closed and somebody lets somebody into a school. So all the intel that you have gathered up over the years into this process, you try to figure out what would be the best deterrent to make this happen. So now that we've come up with a, not what I would call a fail-proof idea, but it definitely isn't in its infancy anymore. Stages of development, we can make this. We can make this happen to where here we are. We've got a sidewalk that a child goes up. We've got a sidewalk that hopefully somebody without bad demeanor would come up. But in case it does, now we've got a way to say, "Hey, just protect our children from this scenario." And so with all the modification of the products and all the notification of different people that we have, our stuff that we utilize, our equipment, I shouldn't say stuff, that's not very politically correct, but our equipment that we utilize, um, we can take that information that we acquire from that equipment and make a complete data list of when people are showing up at the school, when people are away from school, when the alarms are going off from our system, um, and that can be utilized for other intel for other schools later. The information that's also acquired on a local basis of the school itself can be generated into a data bank and sent to the school headquarters, can be sent to the security headquarters of the entire city, can be sent to the police department, can be sent to the sheriff's department. And all of it just starts off with just one minor alarm that is set off, and then I have the opportunity to determine on how far I need to take that, depending on whether it might be the security guard that would come up to the door, for instance, and not let the guy in because he sees that the guy has a briefcase or whatever with him, and he set off the alarm, so the security guard tells the guy to go away. He turns around, picks his radio up, and calls for help. So all of a sudden, you've got a guy that's outside the school instead of inside the school because of somebody letting him in. Um... I mean, the threat and the protective values is there. Right. And I know they they do try to control the entry to these schools. You know, another thing, I'm going to shift gears. I want to talk about the uh, the Mandalay Bay shooting, uh, uh, the Man- Mandalay Bay Hotel at the, that, uh, what was it, the I-95 or whatever the that concert was. And that individual um, had brought in... Uh, a plethora, an array of firearms into his room. And actually there was, and I, I was honored to, to, to see some of the game footage from the, from the hotel. This guy made trip after trip. And in some of those trips, he had the, the, uh, the cart with wheels, you know, and that thing was loaded up. I think he had, he had all kinds of metal cases and thousands of rounds and, and just a, an array of different, um, Rifles, assault rifles, automatics. I mean, I mean, just a, an array of things. And I had was able to talk to a, a hotel person, like, yeah, you know, we don't want one of those unsightly metal things. So, but man, you know, can you imagine? Um, you know, and I hate. To, I mean, it's kind of ex post facto, but you know, can, can you imagine had had they had some similar things uh, on the ground? You know, at that at that facility. Um, that would have detected, right? Uh, certainly. Um, exactly. I was just at meetings last week in L.A. with the developer and some financial people that want to build a new hotel in the L.A. complex. Well, 
the hotel itself is going to be an upscale hotel, but the top 10 or 15 floors are what they call VIP condos. And my essence of being at this meeting was they want to install our equipment within the framework of the construction of this facility so that when people move around at different positions in different places, either just a body or a body with metal, that through a control panel, which we call a C2 command and control center, would know where these individuals are and possibly what those individuals have on them as uh, secondary items that could create harm. So um, it was interesting that this whole process is, has, has been driven from um, a field operation that was used years ago over in Vietnam for detecting when people were on paths and when they were standing in specific areas or when they were eating or whatever might have been happening at the time to where we are today with using these in high-tech intelligence areas. But none of this would have happened, and I guess this is kind of where we get back to the original comment that we had to begin with today on the show, you know, the, the research, the act, the listen, the teach, the qualify, and the close. None of this would happen if you didn't do that on every every person that you go into, every situation that you you look at. You want to take those ideas and those things and kind of store them in the back of your head like a computer. And when you need them, you just pull them back out as need be. And as the ideas and things grow, the way and the techniques and the things grow. It was just Bruce had mentioned to me about the buses about several weeks ago, and both of us became very excited about the opportunity to be able to utilize some of this on buses. Well, last week as well, I was at another meeting with a guy who works again with the Special Forces group of guys, and he has a piece of equipment that can be carried over your back that has cameras and stuff on it that we could very easily put on the buses. So when one of these magnetometers goes off, all of a sudden you're taking pictures of the guy. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different avenues that this stuff can be utilized in now, and being a lot of it is being declassified because so much new situational awareness equipment is coming on hand that the stuff we've used in the past is now being put out there for commercial use, which let's make good use of it. Let's, let's help our society, the way we've been helping the military for years, produce safer environments. It doesn't matter where it is. Our stuff is all ran on 9-volt batteries. It doesn't have to be plugged in. It doesn't have to be wired in. We can put it anywhere. For instance, if a guy has a, a movie theater that he doesn't want unsightly metal detectors sitting around because he has clients that come into this thing, and he, he wants them to feel safe, but he doesn't want to be overbearing with his security, find a planter or something. Take a planter, set it by the door, put one of our systems in that planter. It's going to do the same thing as that unsightly piece of equipment's going to do. So you become a little more user-friendly to where you're preventing something. You're helping people remain calm during the process of sitting in a movie and thinking, why am I going through this big metal detector? If they had a problem, are they trying to create something that's, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, to me, it just makes a circuit situation to where you're more relaxed as a person and uh, can enjoy time. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with this stuff is make life for the consumers of this newer stuff that's just now coming off the military ranks to where we can enjoy things easier, have a 
had a be- have a better sense of mind, uh, prevent some things, as Bruce said earlier. Uh, for sure, for I, sure. It, yeah. yeah, it just made it just it just makes sense, you know. All of us, all of us that that work in this field, you know, we're all very patriotic, and you know, patriotism is something that we all we all try to stand for, and we all try to work with, and. You know, if you can take something that the military's been using and you put it in the commercial world, how much more patriotic can you be than moving something forth that, that's been proven, that's been task-orientated, that's been applied, that's been tested, been proven, um, than, than to use it to help us in the commercial world today? I know. I mean, it's just an appropriate utilization of... of uh of resources, you know, and, and apply those resources into that. And it just, it just takes kind of like the meeting you and I had, you know, just a kind of a brainstorming thing to wait a minute, we could use this here, we could use this there. You know, as as you know, I discussed this with other company, with another company that's, Hey, we could use this for, for, for our, our company. I've been talking to some sheriff's departments who thought, wow, that'd be nice for our, police cars to know if we're pulling over somebody if they have a crud ton of metal, metal on them or in the car or whatever or somebody's coming up behind the vehicle and uh you know so it's just you know the list goes on and on of of how this type of detection and early warning early detection um can can save lives not just in schools but but in, in other venues well let's 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 go off to the side a little bit and, and talk about how you train, how you coach and train folks once they do, um, you know, acquire some of y'all's equipment. What, what do y'all do next in terms of, you know, what have y'all done with training or coaching? Do you help, you know, thread that into their policies and procedures? Uh, for instance, that's pretty exciting. If you guys get in on that uh, construction level, with that, uh, with those executive suites or whatever, that, that'll be an interesting, right? It'll be in the contingency plans, the emergency plans, and operating plans. So, talk a little bit how you how you interface with folks, uh, threading in the data and uh, the information and the equipment into their policies and procedures. Well, years ago, obviously, we started off in the military realm of things. So I'm going to kind of regress here a little bit and go back to the military again because all this is military-based. When we would sell something to the military or deliver some goods to the military, um, one of the things we knew they had to do in order to make a successful operation, what I would call it, um, was that they had to have the knowledge in order to run the equipment. They had to have the knowledge in order to collect the intel from the equipment. They had to have the knowledge in order to be able to store the data that's acquired from the equipment. And then number three, they had to, number four, I guess number five, they would have to be able to read that data to determine what was happening next with that. So we deliver the equipment. We go to their site because there's not a better place to teach than in your own field of wherever you might be using the equipment. We go to their site and we teach them the five process things that we just talked about and where we're going and what we're doing and how we're doing it and why and when and the data that's involved behind it. I can determine a whole bunch of different things from the data. Our equipment runs 24 hours, 
seven days a week, 365 days a year. It never takes a cigarette break. It never takes a smoke break or anything. It just, it moves on. So we've got continual data. If I do not use that continual data to learn from it, then I'm remiss in my duties of what I've got and the ability that I have to be able to determine things. Let's just, let's just go back for an instance. We had a situation where we had a outdoor ATM machine that was at a state fair. And the, in the past several years, this ATM machine had been burglarized and they'd taken it and the, the entire machine and just left with it. So we decided well, what we're going to do is we're going to put some of our protective equipment around this. Well, we knew that it wasn't because of the data that we collected. We knew it wasn't being taken during the day. It had to be being taken during the evening. And we knew from the data that we were taking that people were not coming on to the fairgrounds to take the equipment. It was already people that were on the fairgrounds taking the equipment. So when we set up our perimeter, usually when you do something like this, there's not just one close proximity. You do it in rings or you do it in tiers, however you want to call it, so that you have rings of protection or tiers of protection that protect this thing. And, and then all of a sudden, you have data that tells you, hey, here's what happened. Well, because of some of the different things that we set up along the process, we knew exactly where that truck came from in order to pick up that ATM machine. We knew exactly where that truck went back once that ATM machine was picked up. So that's the things that we look for, and that's the things we try to teach people how to do and what to do uh, so that they can utilize their equipment instead of just waiting for a result or waiting for an alarm to go off. Let's be a little bit proactive with this and see what now this is where Bruce's side of the world has taught us that we not only look, need to be reactive, but we need to be proactive and look for the threat to begin with. Uh, what threat, what risks, what risk do we have when, we, when this happens? Where are my risks going to come from? Let's take this equipment and mitigate those risks. And that's exactly what I try to teach my people is, hey, the risk is there. How can we mitigate that risk? How can we take the knowledge that we have and learn from it to protect for tomorrow? So as we go on, it's just it's a process of somebody comes up and says, well, we can do this or we can do that or we can do this. I hadn't even thought about buses, quite honestly, until Bruce mentioned it to me. What was that, Bruce? About three weeks ago or so, you said, "Hey, you know weeks. that's going to be one." Of, yeah, that's going to be one of the things coming up. Well, we've kind of put this in a fast track knowledge, and we're trying to learn, we're trying to acquire, we're trying to apply, and now we're back to the point to where we've actually have some some companies and some school districts who would like to uh, who would like to talk about. Absolutely. In the application and where we're doing and how we're doing it and how we're going to make it happen. Absolutely. So um, it's just, you know, a lot of that, a lot of times it's like a car, I guess is the best way I can say or a plane. You know, I owned a plane for a long time, Bruce, and there was a lot of equipment inside of that plane. 
But at the same point, there, there was a lot more equipment than I ever utilized. You know, I could have been a better pilot myself if I would have utilized everything inside of that plane. I'm not saying I didn't utilize the necessities, but there was a lot of things it could do that I, I just didn't, didn't ever acquire the knowledge to make it happen. Shame on me. So learning that in the past, I've taken that shame on me experience and said, you know what? I don't want to have any shame on me guys because that shame on me could be a life. And if, if I had something out there and I didn't do, and I was remiss in my job at telling these guys what could be done with the equipment, then I would have a problem. Yeah. I would have a, I would have a big problem. Not only, not only probably legally, but mentally, you know, I would feel really, I would feel really bad about what had happened. And so, so I try to, we, we try to cover all bases and, you know, and that's where, that's where Bruce has opened my eyes to some of the things that could be done and different ways to do things. But, um, I've always been one. I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs as I was a child and I had a lot of opportunities that as, as a child that a lot of people don't get to have. And, you know, we had a fair amount of money as a kid, kid growing up, but my father told me. A, a lot of valuable things, but one of the things he did make me do was I never got an allowance unless I did something for the return of that money, whether mow the, whether it was mow the grass, whether it was wash his car, whether it was clean the windows, you know, as little as I can remember, you know, I was doing something around the house for money so I could collect it. When I got old enough, it became the paper route. You know, when I started to go to school, you know, it was one of those things where it was, hey, I'd love to pay for your schooling, but you know what, son? You're going to gain a lot more out of it if you pay for it yourself. So I knew that I wanted to go to college, that I wanted to get a career, and I couldn't afford to do it, so I joined what they called the a program called NESEP, Naval Educational Scientific Program, that put me through school. Uh, so I've, I've, worked at, I've worked at figuring out where I'm going with this. Is I've worked at figuring out ways to do things for a long time. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities out there if people would just put themselves to it and learn and utilize what they had learned in previous times to further their educational value and their work situations on today. Every situation you have is a learning experience. And, you know, really? one of the, you know, from the coaching aspect of the of the world, you know, my dad said one of the big. My dad said to me, he said one of the big problems in the world, son, is he says, you know, I have a a group of people and we have board meetings all the time. He said our board meetings are for a specific purpose. We go in and determine where we're going, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, how much time it's going to take, how much money we're going to need. The individual, the individual person, never holds a board meeting with themselves. I can't say everybody doesn't, but, but, but the majority don't. If I get it, now that, now that I know the process, I get up every morning and hold a board meeting. Where am I going? What am I doing? How am I going to do it? What's going to be accomplished today? And what finances am I going to need to do it? That's an everyday routine now. And that's something that my father installed in me years ago. And it's an easy process. It's, it's to learn, it's to teach, it's the ask, it's to listen. So, once again, you go back to those major points, and it's a, uh, you know, that's where the coaching came about, and 
That's how I try to use a coach in my life is what I is what I learned from the past and what I've learned from Bruce within those last few weeks of relationship that I've had with him and where we're going and what we're doing. I mean, it, it, it's been great. You know, you kind of think it, you get to a point where it's, it's, you know, I've heard it, I've done it, I've seen it, I've been there, I've heard that. And you kind of become numb, I guess would be a good word, Bruce, for where you are. You kind of become numb to anything that's around you because you kind of become bigger than the things around you. Well, this is where I'm linking myself back into Bruce. He kind of showed me that there is no numbness. You know, there is, there is none of that aspect in, in what we're doing. It's, it's every day. It's everything. It's, it's a new eye. And when I came to him, he had a totally new approach on the different things, enlightened me into some processes that I wasn't really tuned into. So, so I don't care who you are or what you are. There's always that opportunity to learn from a situation from somebody who has the knowledge that you don't have. Or it's just right. And th- boy, thanks for the kind words. And, 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 uh, or what I'd like to say is I think with, with us, um, you know, in our discussions, I just had a, I just had a couple of pieces that fit really well into your puzzle. You know what I mean? I just, I feel like there were a couple just pieces of either information or suggestion or whatever that once that piece falls in, fell into your, into those spaces, man, it just completely, you know, makes this picture, um, uh, something completely big, huge and, and wonderful, man. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, no, I, 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 I love, uh, you know, cause you couldn't, you couldn't pick two, other than my justice department background, just in terms of our schooling and whatever, he's like, yeah, you know, psychology guy, whatever. But uh, no, man, it's it's a it's a it's a real good, it's a real good good fit. Um, yeah, I know. know. We, I was just saying we got five minutes left, so I want to make sure that we have enough time that folks can if they want to reach you or whatever. But go ahead and finish your point. Go ahead. No, you, you're you know my 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 father passed away when I was pretty young, and you know, and I want to mention another guy if I can, Bruce. I you know I don't know I. There was another guy that came into my life shortly after my father passed away, and his name is Bob Scout, Robert L. Scout, and you know he spells it S C H O U T, and it's not the kind of standard way of doing it. But but I, I was introduced to him through some individuals, and 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 Bob Scout is 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 a tremendous individual that that has a lot of knowledge about people and where they're going and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So when my father left off with where he was going. Bob Scout has been kind of that secondary father to me for 35 years now about what's going on and how it's happening. And the relationship is here is this Bob Scout introduced me to an individual who knew Bruce Cameron. That's how we're getting back to where we're going. So, you know, it's the people in your life. You never want to let them go, man. You want to create the networks. You never want to burn the bridges. You want to build the bridges. So I guess what I'm trying to say, learn from it. Use the teachings that you get. Listen to people. And uh, Bruce, thank you very much for having me on the air today. I appreciate it, and, brother. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, man. I I, I would be giving everybody the service uh, by not at least sharing with folks what 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 you what you're doing, what we're doing. And again, I want to say thank you for your service. I'm sorry I didn't say that right off the bat, but thank you for your service uh, to our country. Uh, you know, not only is active duty, but even what you're doing now, man, is it, it just, you know, you're, you're just keep on, 
you know, you're, 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 you're the gift that keeps on giving, man, whether it be active duty or civilian and, and now um, hit, hitting these licks. So, uh, again, thank you so much for your service. How um, do, you, do you have a website or an email? How, are you open to uh, yeah, no, call? I'm open to people calling in or, you know, let, let, yeah, let me give you a website. It's it's pretty easy. It's it's B Johnston, B-J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N, at Q-U-A-L hyphen T-R-O-N dot com. And Qualtron is the name of our company that I work for right now, and that's www.qual-tron.com. And uh, anybody who'd like to call, email uh, on our address is obviously our phone number. I'd be more than happy to talk to you or, or uh, about ideas on the coaching end as well as the equipment end. So yes. please, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, this, this, this make it work and anything I can do for you. That's why I'm here is to help you guys uh, achieve and, and, and growing your relationships in your business as well as uh, when I help, it helps me. Excellent. Yeah. And, and again, we're helping, Helping save lives uh, at the end of the day is, you know, to, to boot. So, yeah, great, uh, great information. And, and again, we just talked about maybe a fingernail of what Bob does. And and there's so many other things that uh, his company brings. And a lot of that stuff is way over my head, at least at this time. <laughs> so uh, uh, couldn't even uh, can't even uh, speak intelligently about uh, but just has a, a wealth, a, a plethora of things to offer folks and um but uh, nonetheless uh, you know thanks for coming on the show today and, and really sharing you know what what you do and how you do it and you know what and, and you are an example i mean i like i like that board meeting i'm going to take that away i think a lot of guys executives that i work with in the coaching space can identify with having a board meeting with themselves every day and doing a rundown and you know what that, that's almost like a meditation man it's like a self-meditation and a self-reflection and uh and you know what, Bob, you're right. I mean, I'd gotten into a position where I would just kind of get up and react like, oh, what do I got to do today? What appointments do I have to do today? And I really wasn't, uh, you know, I was kind of looking things uh, backwards. So uh, we can get in that rut if we don't if we don't have uh, either a, a, a person in our life or a coach or an accountability partner or just a kind of a wake up to kind of get us to think differently. So so uh, thanks for coming on the show. And folks, don't. Uh, hesitate to, to 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 give us a call. We're on social media, Concierge Coaches Show on Facebook. Um, I'm on Instagram at B Cameron Two, and also the Concierge Coaches Show. This episode and all our episodes will be available are available on iTunes. So don't forget to go to iTunes and download the podcast and listen to it for free. Uh, we've paid it forward for you, so you don't have to pay money to listen on iTunes. We we got you covered. So go and check out this show and some of our other exciting shows uh, to learn about coaching and, and just the different aspects of, of this uh, line of service. And also our shows are archived on the LA Talk Radio website as well. So with that, we'll bid everybody a great afternoon. Thank you again for listening to the Concierge Coaches Show here on LA Talk Radio. I'm Bruce Cameron, and we'll see you all next time on the Concierge Coaches Show. Take care. You're listening to the Concierge Coaches Show with Bruce Cameron and Jenny Hubby, only on LA Talk Radio.